Probably the biggest challenge we're all going to face between now and November is what to tell the tone-deaf, asshole Biden supporters who tell us that if we're not voting for Biden, we're voting directly for Donald Trump. I have a pair of pithy articles here for your enjoyment, plus my riveting commentary. The first article is called, You Can't Split a Party You Don't Belong To, by Kathy Copeland Patton. I don't think I know a single progressive and or independent who isn't accused daily of splitting the party or being divisive by desperate Democrats. It's hard to fathom for most. The self-centered assumption that anyone who's not a member of the GOP owes the other half of the oligarchy allegiance is mind-bogglingly stupid. That's exactly right. We have two right-wing parties. Why should anyone assume if you dislike one, you can't dislike both? And yet, it's the predominant belief among the blue crew. If you're not with them, you're with us. No. No, we are not. So slow your roll, neolib. Like most indies, I'm perfectly capable of hating both major parties with equal ferocity. That's what the Democrats refuse to understand. I've been an independent since 1983. Almost half the electorate is also Team Platform and not Team Blue or Team Red. We support policy, not party. I'm not dividing any party as I don't belong to any party. That's the whole point of being an independent, after all. Party identification among Americans. I'll let you know this is from 2016. Dems, 29%. GOP, 26%. Independents, 42%. But am I calling out your party on its corruption? You bet. Naming and shaming government corruption is a responsibility handed to the American people by our country's founders. They intended for us to ruthlessly root out all tyrants infiltrating the people's government, not support and celebrate them. This nation is now every bit the aristocracy we rejected during the American Revolution. We are ruled by dead-eyed, obscenely wealthy elites while we're left to die without medical care during a pandemic. Doesn't seem very free to me, to me. So how do Democrats, who claim to be anti-Trump, handle this? The Democratic Party not only condones this ironic travesty, they also exemplify it. Then they wonder why the working class is abandoning them in droves. Neolibs are always right there to push GOP legislation through. Much of the fuckery Dems blame the GOP for wouldn't be possible without their party's acquiescence. That's not resisting, that's assisting. In case any establishment Dems are reading, I'll spoon feed it to you. Voters are abandoning you because you abandoned the voters decades ago, at least four decades ago. You're no longer the party of the working class. You're not even the party of the middle class. This is like Hillary, the party of Kant. We've got a picture of Biden here saying, look fat, better things aren't possible. Nothing will fundamentally change. We are the corporations of America and we approve this message. Shit, just look at what you're running. It's almost cute. You think you'll win solely because that poor old doddering man isn't Trump. No, Biden is not Trump. This is true. He's actually worse in many ways. Remember, kids, billionaires aren't the problem, and you just need to stop fucking whining. As an independent, I'm far more interested in policy over party. 
Whoever presents the most progressive candidate will get my support. In my case, that includes the Green Party. If no such candidate is on offer, I won't vote. Simple stuff. If the DNC keeps rolling out corporate-backed neoliberals and faux-gressives, they will have no one to blame but themselves when they tank. Except for Russia, of course. Dems blame Russia for everything. Pinning their epic unpopularity on the electorate is lazy and self-indulgent. Until the Democratic Party accepts that they exist to carry out the will of the people and not the other way around, their slow but steady slide into complete irrelevance will continue unabated. I wish it were that simple. The fact is, they will continue to be propped up by corporations, so even though they seem irrelevant to the people, they're very relevant to the assholes who pay them. They won't experience a slow but steady slide into complete irrelevance as long as they have their donors behind them. They'll just continue to lose on purpose and provide cover for the other right-wing party. Back to Kathy. Attempting to bully or guilt voters into supporting you as the lesser evil is a fool's errand. Show the average American you care about their woes and provide solutions. Trotting out corporatists spouting, or in Biden's case, word salading, progressive values they do not hold and have no intention of pursuing isn't working anymore. Not after 2016. Never again. You know, though, the only way we're going to make it not work is if we pile into the streets and protest. I don't think they actually care if we withhold our votes. They obviously don't mind losing to Trump. The insiders, that is. I said that yesterday. They obviously don't mind losing to Trump. The comfy Dems hate it. But they're not pulling the strings the way Obama did right before Super Tuesday. Back to Kathy. Repeat after me. We're not Trump is not a platform. Sure seems to be working, though, with the comfy Dems. Call it party splitting all you want, establishment Dems. It's actually party leaving for the Dem exit crowd and a big fat nothing from those never among your ranks in the first place. And if you can't see it, there's a picture. Does not care. DNC does not care about democracy from our revolution. So now we're going to switch to the other promised article, this one by Lauren Martincheck, called Will Liberals Allow Biden to be Pushed to the Left? As I have said before on numerous occasions, I am not here to try and tell anyone not to vote for Joe Biden. As opposed to me, Lauren, who's telling everybody every day not to vote for Joe Biden. I can genuinely sympathize from the bottom of my heart with the desire to get Donald Trump out of office and the increasing sense of desperation to do so as things continue to spiral out of control under his leadership. My intention in pointing out the ever-growing list of flaws in Joe Biden is not coming from a place of ulterior motives, as many liberals continue to suggest, but in the deep-rooted belief that we must, regardless of who will be in power, not lose our sense of rage or shut our eyes to the broader, ugly realities of the American empire that have been laid bare throughout this entire pandemic and, frankly, even before it started. At the end of the day, the only way we will generate the necessary meaningful change in this country is if we remain realistic about what lies ahead, with or without Donald Trump in office. 
Again, my problem does not lie with those who will be voting for Joe Biden because that is what their conscience tells them to do. My problem is with those who continue to attempt to blatantly gaslight me and others on the left into believing that the presumptive Democratic nominee is something that he absolutely is not. Many well-intentioned people have argued that this upcoming election is ultimately making a decision about who we would rather fight, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That is an incredibly fair point to make, although it isn't, Lauren, as we just showed with Kathy Copeland Patton's article, and a devastating reality that many leftists in particular have to face. Liberals, however, seem to insist rather simplistically that we should sit tight and just vote for Joe Biden and push him to the left later. Unfortunately, in response, I would have to argue that oftentimes they and the politicians they continue to vote for, regardless of their record, are a large part of the underlying reason why it will be so incredibly difficult to actually do so. They tell us to push to the left, but fight back without fail every single time, every single election cycle when we try to do so. Here we are in 2020 with our viable options being Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Any honest, legitimate critiques of Joe Biden are immediately met with responses such as, Do you want Donald Trump to win? Okay, so you're voting for Trump then. Or my personal favorite, you're a Russian agent. A year and a half down the line, if and or when Biden is elected, there isn't a doubt in my mind that we'll hear, why are you criticizing Democrats? Look at the alternative. We have to keep the House and take the Senate. Vote blue now and wait until later. A year and a half beyond that, with the next presidential election approaching, we'll once again inevitably hear, do you really want Tom Cotton or Tucker Carlson in office? Can't you see how dangerous they are? Stop it! Pete Buttigieg, or heaven forbid, Jeff Bezos are what we have to choose from right now, so pick one or just admit you want the GOP to win. That sounds about right. To all those insisting that we should just push Biden and the Democratic Party to the left, my question would be, when? At what point will liberals deem it acceptable to actually fight back against the ugliness and the rot that undeniably continues to plague the Democratic Party? When will they decide that we are allowed to challenge the powers that be and fight for legitimate representation that's actually looking out for our best interests? Politicians, pundits, and liberal voters alike don't want pushback on television, independent media outlets, social media, or primary challenges during the elections. So what exactly would they like us to do? How are we expected to push to the left when they tolerate no space by which to do so? What if Biden just says no? The point is, there will always be a danger. There will always be a bogeyman. Under the oligarchic, corrupt regime that's been so carefully and meticulously crafted over the course of the past 50 years, there will always be dark, nefarious forces operating among both political parties with every intention of suppressing what's in the best interest of the masses. There will always be attempts to scare us into submission, and I am not going to buy into it. The only way change will be created is if we remain angry. The only way Joe Biden will truly be pushed to the left is if he has reason to believe that the anger and frustration with the current system is so great 
that it outweighs the will of the donors who have bought him in his efforts to gain and stay in power. I want the anger that's so prevalent right now to remain long after November 3rd and what looks as though it might be the inauguration of Joe Biden in January of 2021 because that's the only way this nation will be salvaged. So yes, in an effort to actually push him to the left, I and many others will continue to address the faults of both his campaign and his past legislative record because frankly, for those of us who wish we wouldn't, whether they want to admit it or not, there's never, ever going to be an acceptable time to do so. And as Lauren has pointed out before, that's a very good reason not to wait for elections to get started. I'll close with one of the comments from my YouTube channel. This is from Bill Chessel, who likes to watch the YouTube videos after midnight. He says, We are all being taken over by the futility. Our little town of Minden, Nevada had a BLM protest march last Saturday. The local sheriff decided to take offense that the library was planning to support BLM in a newsletter. He didn't even wait until they made a public announcement. He wrote the library staff a letter saying that if the library had a need for law enforcement, don't bother to call, we won't respond. Nevada's attorney general came to the library's defense. Wait a minute, Sheriff Coverly, that's not the way it works. On local social media, the hate just radiated from the post supporting Sheriff Coverly. For the most part, the posts on the side of BLM were timid and few. The social media app next door seemed to be an organizing tool that the radical right used to whip up support for an anti-protest. On Saturday, the BLM supporters, perhaps 70 strong, showed up to a crowd of flak-jacketed, AR-15-wielding, anti-BLM bigots and got threatened and knocked around through the whole ordeal. Bigotry is no longer hidden in the dark, as it seemed to be after the decline in the KKK. It's out in force. No need to shade your true feelings in Trump's America, unless, of course, you want to live in a civil society. Bill then provides the Nevada Attorney General letter, the local news coverage, and an article by a Carson City reporter. He concludes with, I thought about going to the march myself, and my 50-year-old self might have been there, but in the end, and I say this as a gun advocate and owner, the scariest part of this was the local radical right showing up for the protest in military garb complete with assault rifles. We have gone crazy. I replied, when the left becomes armed, things will come to a head. The right have held a monopoly on intimidation, but I can feel the tide turning. Eventually, the citizenry will have to face down the militias, the right-wing militias, and will have to stand up to them. I know how to use an AR-15. I know how to use any assault rifle. I'm a fairly accomplished sniper also. A lot of people don't want to think this way. But if there's an armed citizenry of both right-wingers and left-wingers, that's what it'll come to. The only hope then is if we all look up above our heads and realize that the enemy is not each other, but the true enemy is the plutocrats. I'd say there are some interesting days ahead.